Hello, everybody, and welcome back to season two of Spilling the Tea. Um, I'm your host, Aoki Nutrition. I'm so excited to be back um, in the studio. It actually feels a bit weird. It's like, you know, come like almost like your first day back in school. <laughs> Can't remember what you have to do. But first of all, can I say thank you so much for the feedback from last season? I think I have about 90,000 listens. Like, is that not mental? 90,000 of you. Well, 90,000 listens per episode, not necessarily 90,000 of you listening to it. But even at that, like, that's 90,000... I don't know, people who are more educated on this topic that I'm trying to like spread so much awareness on. And I love even seeing you come into the clinic and be like, oh, I got that from your podcast. And so many of you are like already following following the advice before I see you. And I'm like, that makes my job so much easier and it'll make your results so much kind of quicker as well. So um, yeah, thanks for like being here on this really fun, kind of unusual adventure that I'm on at the moment. It's kind of something I've never really taught myself I would, I would do. Um, since season one, I'm now a herbalist. So if you you know listened to the last episodes in season one, you would have known that I was studying to become a herbalist at the time. So delighted it's over. So delighted that I'd done it. Um, was a really hard course, but oh, the difference now, even seeing clients and like having herbs like ammo under my belt, I just, I'm obsessed. I just absolutely love it. If you want to go back to season one, I actually have a whole episode on my career. And I talk about, obviously I was training at that time, doing herb medicine, but I do talk about like my nutrition, my background, my upbringing, like how I started my business. And I get a lot of good feedback actually from that episode as well. So if you want to know a little bit more about AOK Nutrition and how I got to where I am now, definitely check out that episode. I'm so excited to announce Ethos as our sponsor for season two. If you follow me on Instagram, you've probably heard of them already. Ethos are an Irish CBD and hemp brand set up by couple Amy and Fergus, who are both extremely lovely people, may I add. They have a range of CBD oils and hemp teas, and they have blended organically grown hemp from Wicklow with adaptogenic herbs, which I'm obsessed with, and botanical extract to support a range of well-being needs. Their rest range supports better quality sleep and their balance range helps to reduce daily stress and anxiety and their active oil and repair balm are focused on reducing inflammation and aiding recovery from workouts. I recommend adding their supplements to your routine if you're looking to improve your sleep quality, stress levels or reduce inflammation. Their teas are also a really, really nice addition to your bedtime or daily routine. You'll find Ethos at most pharmacies or health food stores and they also kindly gifted me 20% off discount code for all of you lovely listeners. If you head to the link in my show notes below, you can subscribe there and it'll be sent straight to your inbox in addition to a gorgeous bedtime yoga track to help you distress and unwind before bed. If you're curious about trying the products, check the digital consultation tool on their website to help you select the right product for your needs or listen to episode one of season two, where I speak to Amy about the science and benefits of CBD. So I thought, why not kick off season two with a bang? And we'll talk about our favorite topic here, which is vaginas. (laughs) And mostly what we're going to talk about today is ovulation. And guys, you know, if you follow me, I am ovulation obsessed, as we should be. And I think it's something like definitely from school that 
it was never really drilled in the importance of it and why we should care. And the actual definition, which I looked up earlier, and I'm literally lolling here being like, of course we don't care about it or we didn't care about it. The biological definition is ovulation is a physiological process defined by the rupture and release of the dominant follicle from the ovary into the fallopian tube where it has the potential to become fertilized. The ovulation process is regulated by fluctuating gonotrophic hormones, follicle stimulating hormone, and luteinizing hormone levels. Now, can someone explain that back to me? So, like, reading that again now and thinking about it earlier, I was like, imagine, like, 15-year-old Ashing sitting in biology or even 18-year-old Ashing in six years sitting in biology, and I'm like, that just seems like some scientific process that I don't, I just have to learn to pass my biology exam. To me, that doesn't indicate something that happens every single month in my body and why it's important. So if I said to you, ovulation is yes, how we make babies, but it's also how we make our own hormones. And why we should care about that is those hormones shape everything from our mood, our energy, your sex drive, your motivation, your appetite, your sleep, your body temperature. That's something now you're a bit more sitting up being like, hold on a minute, I actually know what she's talking about. Like to think that that's how much of an influence hormones have, and especially ovulation has in the body. So the first thing I shout from the rooftops about ovulation is, it's not just for making babies. It's not just about getting pregnant. And this is something I find really frustrating when I see clients who have been with their GP and they might not be having a period. And remember, if you're not having a period, it means you're not ovulating. So if you ovulate, you have to get a period within 14 days. You just have to. There's, you know, that, that's just what has to happen. But if you don't get a period, it means you haven't ovulated. So I've girls come into the doctor, haven't had a period in a couple of months and the whole approach is, ah, sure, you don't want to get pregnant. Sure, just go back on, go on the pill. Why does it matter? Let's let's put you in hormonal birth control and that will regulate your cycle. And I'm doing inverted commas there because in case you aren't aware of this, the way birth control works is it stops you ovulating. So if you stop ovulation, it works contraceptive because it stops that release of the egg from the ovary, which means you can't get pregnant. But indirectly or like the way it's not meant to work but it does as a a bad side effect is it's also going to stop your hormones it's going to switch off the FSH hormone that helps the eggs grow and it's going to switch off your LH hormone which triggers ovulation and they're also the hormones again it's your sex drive it's your mood it's your motivation and all of a sudden yes you seem to have a regular bleed every month and pill bleeds are not periods pill bleeds are side effects from stopping your birth control and that might be like a jaw-dropping moment for a lot of you listening I know me 10 years ago I think I read that in a book at the time it was actually um Lara Bryden's book The Period Repair Manual I'm sure a lot of you read it it's like literally eye-opening and I'm like hold on a minute I'm like what what do you mean it's not a real period? I bleed every month like when I was on the pill. Like, what's that about? And basically the pill bleed, it's just a side effect of stopping your, your pill. The pill has synthetic estrogen in it and estrogen makes your uterine lining thick and basically it makes a fake period. And once you stop taking it, your body gets rid of the, the blood that's there. But it's not a result of you making your own hormones for, you know, the 20, maybe 20 days of the cycle. It's not a result of ovulation the way our own periods are. So that's the first thing. Ovulation is not just for making babies. And I think it's important to kind of have that ammo behind us as well, that when you go do go into your doctor and they say, sure, why do you care about getting pregnant? You're only 22. Like, you know, why does it matter? Just go on the pill. You need to be like, no, because I want to ovulate. I want to make my own hormones. I want to know why it's not happening. That 
in season one, um, I recorded an episode on irregular cycles. And in that episode, I went through all the different possible scenarios of why you might not be ovulating. And, you know, it was a full episode. It was a good 25 minutes of explaining different reasons. So it kind of frustrates me again that you walk in, you don't have a period and the, the kind of, I'm not even going to say treatment, the kind of maybe putting a, a plaster on a bleeding wound is the pill, whether you have PCOS, whether you have hypothalamic menorrhea, whether you have high prolactin, whether you have low iron, the treatment is the same for every single person and it doesn't look at the root of the problem. The other jaw-dropping statement I saw recently is that there's 72 days of the year that you can get pregnant. So 72 days out of 365. And yet our approach is switch off your hormones for every single day, 365 days of the year. Like 72 days is so little. Like some people might even have sex 72 times a year. Do you know what I mean? So that, when you put it in that kind of fraction, just seems mad. And I think... Even today, actually, when I'm recording this episode, I was driving in and they were talking about how influencers online um, are getting a lot of backlash because they're promoting coming off birth control, promoting, like, you know, tracking your cycle. And in one sense, like, influencers promoting coming off your birth control definitely has a red flag behind that because unless they're aware of potential side effects when you come off it, like, what if someone's on the pill for endometriosis managing symptoms? Like, there's a lot, lot to it. Like, even I would have a good chat with clients before they come off it and let them know there are other options. But basically, the whole thing around just kind of tracking your period is there's only six days of the whole month you can get pregnant. And this kind of new information, and it's not even new, like this is literally around forever. I certainly did not know that when I was 15, 16, absolutely not. So I think that's what they're kind of getting the backlash for is promoting kind of fertility awareness method where basically you track your cycle and literally guys, once you have ovulated, so if you definitely know, yeah, 100%, I ovulated yesterday, the egg will only live for 24 hours. That's it. And then it dies. And then you're done for the rest of the month. So let's say just for argument's sake, you ovulate in day 14. I'm like, give yourself day 15, if you want to be super careful, day 16. But let's say from day 16 up until you get your period, you cannot get pregnant. You cannot ovulate twice in a cycle. Um, so that's the whole thing. We're kind of like tracking your cycle. And this is, I think, a lot of the episodes well before this, I would have talked about this quite a lot. But basically, going back to this again for a sec. So eggs live for 24 hours, sperm lives for five days. I'm always like, what is it doing for those five days floating around in there? But technically then, let's say you're due to ovulate in day 14, your egg is going to get released at that day. If you had sex, say from even like day nine, and you haven't had, day, and haven't had sex since then, technically sperm can still be floating around looking for something to do. And the minute you ovulate, it's going to pounce. So it's like, this is why those six days make sense then. So if you know definitely your cycle, if you abstain from having unprotected sex for those six days, you won't get pregnant. But that the, the literal like terms, conditions are, you need to know those days. And what I'm trying to do today is help you track ovulation, help you understand when you're ovulating. Like, I kind of feel like as women, we're so disconnected from our bodies because so many of us got put in birth control when we were so young. So I have clients come to me and they're in their 30s and they're coming off the pill to get pregnant. And they're like, I haven't a clue when I'm ovulating. And this is so important. Again, if you're trying to get pregnant in only six days, it will happen. Like you need to know those dates. So this is what we're going to talk to you today again. I'm going to talk to you the signs to look out for, how to track it. Um, and yeah, you're all going to be like ovulation queens um, over the next couple of months. So the first misconception I would say about ovulation is it doesn't always happen on day 14 of your cycle. 
Um, even the books, again, biology books, this is where it's always kind of drilled into you. And the only time it's really around day 14 is if you have a 28 day cycle. So once you ovulate, and this is super important, so everyone like stop your tune and listen to what I'm going to say next. Once you ovulate, you have to get a period within 14 days. The second half of your cycle, so from the day that you ovulate up until you get your period, it's called your your luteal phase. And your luteal phase is maximum 14 days. Maximum. It cannot be more than that. So that's a really good way as well, even just to know when you're getting your period. Like if you're like, right, I definitely ovulated yesterday. You'll know, right, today, two weeks time, I'm definitely going to have my period by that wedding or that event. Or I think it's just like a really good way to know your cycle. Now, what can happen sometimes is another really good thing to track. And I'm kind of digressing here, but sure, look, it is me. I always do this. Um, Tracking your luteal phase is also quite important that ideally we want that at least 10 days. That if you find you're ovulating and you're getting your period like nine, eight, nine days later, it means your luteal phase is a little bit too short. And that would be linked with something like low progesterone. And chances are you might get a lot of PMS with that. You know, your sore boobs, your cramps, maybe your periods are quite heavy. But definitely from a fertility perspective, this is really, really important because if you're running out of progesterone too soon when you're, you know, just trying to regulate your cycles and arrange your period, progesterone also maintains pregnancy. So that can often carry over. And I've often seen a lot of women who have like early miscarriages around like week, maybe like five, six, seven might also have had those shorter cycles in the luteal phase. So just something to start tracking for yourself. So going back to that, once you ovulate, you have to get a period two weeks later. So what that means is if you have a 40-day cycle, your ovulation day is probably going to be around day 26. It's not going to be around day day 14. So imagine you're trying to get pregnant and you read the, the books and they said day 14 and you're having sex day nine to day 14 and then you kind of like, you know, fall off the bandwagon for the rest of the month that's going to happen. Like you're not going to get pregnant. And at the same time, imagine you were trying to prevent getting pregnant and you were like, right, I know I have like now day 14. I read that book and I'm just not going to have sex for these four days. And once day 17 is here, I'm good to go. And you don't ovulate for 10 days later and you're having all this unprotected sex and you actually are ovulating. So this is important as well that go and have a look at your apps and um, that you're tracking your cycle. And I hope by now, if you're listening to this podcast, you are tracking your cycle. I'm actually shocked when people come into me in the clinic and, um, they don't track their cycle. I'm like, you literally have like apps for everything on your phone. And some of them now in fairness are quite detailed. Like there's really good ones. Like Flow is quite a good one. It's one we call Eve. I use the most basic one called iPeriod. <laughs> and I've used it for years and it has all these like annoying ads in it. And I literally just put in day one of my period. And I will put in as well when I see cerebral commucus, which we'll talk about in a sec. Um, but just start tracking your period. So if you look at your app now and your average cycle is, I don't know, like 30 days, you're probably ovulating around day 16. That was fast maths. Yeah, day 16. So it's just every single person is different. Um, so how do we know when we are ovulating? The first thing to look out for, and this is always gas because I always tell my clients to go home and it's the weirdest homework they've probably ever gotten, <laughs> is to keep an eye on the cervical mucus. And fertile mucus looks like raw egg whites. So think about that for a second. It's clear. It's not white. It's quite jelly-like it can be quite sticky you could probably literally like even move it to your fingers when I talk about mucus if anyone's watching the video I always do this which is just so funny even my clients I'm like you're fertile mucus I'm basically rubbing my fingers together and it's just like a habit I just can't stop doing it and we're always laughing but anyway so trackers fertile mucus and you'll notice this so say like towards the end of your period maybe like two or three days before you ovulate you're going to see this mucus so that's kind of sometimes a bit of a red herring because you don't always see that the day you ovulate it's normally about 24 hours to 48 hours before 
So what I would recommend clients do is you see first on mucus, log that in your phone. And if you don't get a period for another, say, 20 days after that, that probably wasn't fertile mucus. It's a good way to be like, ah, okay, saw that mucus. Oh my God, I got my period 12 days later. Brilliant. That actually was what Ash was talking about. So especially women who just come off birth control, you haven't seen this for ages. So it's something that you're really going to, I would say, like blink and you'll miss it as well. That it's not like it's this really obvious thing. You might just notice it <clears throat> on a tissue your knickers like it's kind of something that it will last maybe for a couple of hours and then it's gone and um, but technically though even your mucus is a bit more it's clear it's a bit more sticky anyway for those couple of days and for two reasons number one to make everything feel better it's nice and lubricated to make you want to have sex your body's very very smart and number two that fertile mucus as well draws the sperm up into the into the cervix into the uterus so and into the fallopian tube like it's itchy like like pulling method almost so like your body is amazing so number one is fertile mucus next thing then is the day that you ovulate you actually might feel a bit bloaty feel a little bit crampy just around your hip bones just beside kind of like maybe like three fingers in from your hip bone is where your ovaries are and I would have a day I'm like why am I so bloated today and I'm like ah I'm ovulating or sometimes people actually get like a slight ovulation pain which is normal to some extent now if you're taking painkillers and like it's affecting your day-to-day -day and you feel sick with it. Like I would see that as inflammation. Really commonly actually just to mention is low B12 and ovulation pain are massively linked in together. Actually, even though only me like two years ago, I had low B12, all the symptoms. And of course, I did not even self-diagnose myself. And I'm literally like every day with clients, I'm like, oh, your B12 is low. <laughs> like known well ahead of time. But for me, I literally had every single symptom. And then I got my B my blood checked and I was like, fucking course I'm low B12. But honestly, with the, I was getting really bad ovulation pain. And um, within, I'd say, like two months of taking B12, it really, really improved. Um, I have very, very good B12 supplements on our online shop. They're like 20 euro for, I think, like a four-month supply of them, even if you're just generally low B12. So again, the discount code for our um, my listeners is spilling the tea. If you want to um, have a look, I'll link it below anyway, so you can have a look and see. Obviously, don't take B12 just if you have ovulation pain. But if you've got bloods done, like I consider anything less than 200 will be low. Not sorry, not 200. I consider anything less than 500. What am I talking about? Whereas low B12 is like 180, 200. So often that gets missed. You could be 270 and be told, yeah, you're grand. You're within range. Within range does not mean optimal. Remember that as well. So like I said, I always go off on a bit of a tangent. But bloating, a little bit crampy that is normal like that might be a sign that you're ovulating the next thing is your body temperature will actually dip and then it increases when we're ovulating so I know for me personally as well I might have a night in bed I'm just sweating and normally I am literally like littered I love the heat I have my electric blanket on I've been fluffy socks on like I love being really warm and certain nights I'm like Jesus roasting I'm opening the window and I'm kicking off the covers and my husband's like are you okay like what is going on here and I'm like oh I'm ovulating that's why but again it only lasts for maybe like that day and then it will ease off um next thing which is a lovely little bonus is your libido increase in sex drive so as much as ovulation is not just for making babies Ovulation is also how we make babies. So your body is so, so smart. So I think any girls listening, and like men will never get this, obviously, because they don't ovulate. But like when you're ovulating, you're like, I look great today. Like my hair is working. Your skin is a bit more glowy. Your digestion might be a bit better. You're a bit more energy. You go to the gym and you're stronger than you were last week. And your appetite, I find I'm not hungry at all. Like I can go all day without eating. Wouldn't recommend it, <laughs> but I know I can do it when I'm ovulating. Like I'm way more kind of balanced. So you feel sexier. 
And not only that, but you release pheromones. And pheromones are in all parts of nature. Like the animal kingdom, this is what attracts the male and the female together to make you want to have sex. And I'm convinced, like, guys, there's six days a month you get pregnant, right? So I always think like one night stands, like if you're in coppers and you're sitting there from across the bar and you make eyes with this guy, that like, it's so unlikely that you're going to get pregnant at that time. But I honestly think it's your pheromones going 90 and he smells you and he's like, who is that ride? And you're like, oh my God, who is that guy? And it's the pheromones. You can blame the pheromones. <laughs> but generally it's unbelievable how much your body will make you do that. I actually always have, I know it sounds mental as well saying this in podcasts, but I always have pregnancy dreams when I'm ovulating. And I think it's my body, re- it's like, Ashton, come on now, would you hear it's like up? I'm like, hey, give me a bit more time. But genuinely, and I actually feel like the older I've gotten, the more extreme they are. Like I'll wake up thinking that I'm pregnant or my, my dream is pregnant. I wake up being like, and sometimes I'm in a cold sweat. Like, you know what I mean? Not everyone wants to be pregnant at certain times. And I'm like, I'm fucking ovulating again. So it's so funny. Sometimes your body like is is sending all these signals to you. So it's like, just start listening to yourself. I think the most important thing again is tracking things because then if you're like, I'm feeling a bit weird, look at your calendar and be like, oh my God, it's two weeks since my last period. You know what I mean? I'm due to ovulate. Def, I saw that fertile mucus. Okay, so how do we track it? How do we actually know, yes, I've definitely ovulated. Number one is the fertile mucus. You're not going to get fertile mucus and then not ovulate. It's just not going to happen. So fertile mucus is the first thing. Second thing is you can actually track your body temperature. So there's an app that I have recommended a good few times, not sponsored. I use it myself for a good few years. I'm kind of just know myself so well now I don't really need it anymore. But I would even recommend this. It's actually called Natural Cycles. The end of my episode last season on um, coming off the pill, I had a lovely guest on Shona and she has come off the pill and she started using natural cycles. So we do really good like impromptu conversation. It's good like maybe six or seven minutes at the end talking about natural cycles and it's probably in the last 10 minutes. So if you don't listen to the full episode, you can go back and listen to that. Um, but what natural cycles is, so it's a basal thermometer. So it's a really, really like um, accurate thermometer. And you take your body temperature every single morning, you log an app on your phone and what happens is your body temperature will fluctuate when you ovulate. So what happens is when you make progesterone, progesterone changes your body temperature. Body temperature actually goes up. And then once progesterone starts to dip, then it will dip. If you get pregnant, progesterone will stay high and your body temperature actually stays higher. Now, the first thing I will say, because this is something that confused me so much at the start. Generally, your body temperature is about 36.1, 36.2 degrees it literally goes up to like 36.5. Like I was waiting for go to like 36 to 37. And I was like, oh, it's not working for me. Like not realizing that like, if you're going up a degree, like you're, you have a temperature. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So it's just funny at the time. I was like, mine's broken. Um, no, it's literally like a point of a degree. So at the start when you get natural cycles and actually guys, well, I've actually hid it on my Instagram now. It's there a good while. I think it's there since... God, it could be like 2020 and um, I show you what they look like and there used to be a swipe up discount code. Again, don't know if it's there, but you might as well try it. I think um, if it is, I think it was like 20% off to subscription for the year, which is only about 55 euro. Like it's not too expensive. And I think you get a free thermometer. So go back and have a little look there and see if the swipe up is still there. But with uh, natural cycles, you could take your temperature every single morning, the minute you wake up, because that's when your temperature is the lowest, log it in the app on your phone and it will actually learn your cycle. And you can either put it in that you want to plan a pregnancy or you want to prevent a pregnancy. And for a lot of my clients, sorry, like I was saying, who've come off birth control and they're like, oh, I'm having a fucking clue. Like I had a period. I don't even know if I ovulated that month. 
which can happen. You actually can get a period, but it doesn't mean that you've ovulated, which is another curveball in itself. So this is why it's really important to actually track cervical mucus because, you know, if you didn't feel any different, you know, if you're not seeing mucus, sometimes really heavy, painful periods that can kind of be a bit more irregular. They're the times I'm like, hmm, I'm not really sure if they're definitely ovulating. Whereas if you're having like a regular cycle every single month, chances are you're ovulating don't quote me in that but you could be ovulating so a thing called an ovulatory cycle is actually common enough and um, happened to me I actually had a period in when was that now in August so again finishing my herbal medicine exams I was a lunatic I was up the walls like I'm not even gonna like I did everything I shouldn't have been doing I was so stressed but anyway so yeah for me I didn't ovulate that month because when I was thinking about it, I was like I actually haven't seen fertile mucus so I was just extra careful for the rest of that cycle um having sex of course and I my period that month was so heavy it was so sore it woke me up in the middle of the night and I had to get painkillers even my husband was like what are you doing I was like I need painkillers and he's like what he's like I've never in all of my years seen you have to get up for period pain like I was so uncomfortable so crampy so I knew myself I had high prolactin for that month because I got bloods done anyway again I'm off on a tangent but what I would say here is just because you see a period does not mean you've definitely ovulated so yeah, I think natural cycles is something that being, again, not an ad, I always think when I'm talking about it, it sounds like an ad because I'm promoting it so much, but I just think it's the tracking your cycles. You think of, you'll hear a thing called fertility awareness method, which is literally like, you know, don't have sex on your fertile days. But again, that's a bit risky because let's say like me last month, let's say I ovulated late or say me in August when I didn't get a period. Imagine my, my ovulation just got pushed out by a week and I'm like, yeah, I'm always fine. Like it's always day 14. So I'm fine now on day 20. Like sometimes it's not always accurate to go just by your own body if it's something that you're not that confident with where I was able to be like mm, I didn't see fertile mucus I'm just going to hold off um, so I find it really good for that and it's so easy to use the kind of caveats when it doesn't always work for people is if you are working night shifts because you're up you're up at different times like it has to kind of be the same time every single day so if you're a nurse or a guard or someone who obviously is working nights it might not be the best option for you um, often with PCOS and like thyroid issues it's sometimes not the best as well just because cycles can be so unpredictable that like if you're using it as a contraceptive which you can do like I said you're just going to have all these red days just gonna be like don't have sex don't have sex don't have sex which is going to be a bit annoying um, but for someone who I think as well is like long term relationship not worried about like STDs because that's another thing as well you're obviously not protecting yourself you're literally having unprotected sex in a relationship as well like I can't imagine like being in college and being out like four nights a week and like do you know what I mean? Like, oh, sorry, let me just check my app before I have sex. I just feel like that probably wouldn't work. And again, like your sleep schedule is probably not as like, you know, typical as me who like is an old married woman <laughs> and will have literally like bedtime at like 10 p.m. every night. So um, yeah, that's what I kind of recommend natural cycles for. The next way you can track ovulation is using LH strips. And LH, um, I mentioned it earlier, it's a hormone called luteinizing hormone. And I always say luteinizing hormone is like your mom being like, get out there and play in the sunny day. Do you know what I mean? Luteinizing hormone is getting those eggs out of that ovary. You're, you're good. You're grown up. Get out. Go, go, go. So luteinizing hormone peaks just before you ovulate. It's opening the doors, getting everyone to leave. So that's what fertile um, strips check or ovulation strips actually check. They're checking LH. So again, can be helpful. But if you're having, I don't know, a 40 day cycle and you're doing LH strips on day 11, 12, 13, 14, that's not going to be very helpful. That's not the day that you're ovulating. You need to be doing it on day maybe like 26, day 27. So again, with LH strips, you know, they're fine. But I think 
maybe for people who have a more of a regular cycle rather than kind of more um, irregular cycles. With PCOS as well, it's really interesting that LH is often high all the time. And we have a PCOS episode coming this season as well. I've heard you all ask me, so it is coming up. Um, but the way I describe PCOS is it's literally like that. LH is like telling the eggs to go, get out, go ovulate, go, go, go. And testosterone is standing there with like its arms in front of the door being like, absolutely not. You're not going anywhere. So imagine like LH and testosterone like go mad at each other. <laughs> so um, sometimes with PCOS, the LH strips aren't really accurate either because it might just be coming up high the whole month, even though obviously you're not ovulating the whole month. If, if at all, sometimes with PCOS, you're not actually ovulating. A few months ago, I was sent a thing called OvuSense. Um, if I remember, I'll try a link below. And it was actually a plaster that has like a little chip in it. And you scan your phone. Now, once it's, it kind of freaked me out a little bit because I'm like, what is this thing on my arm? Like, I don't even like wearing watches. Okay, so I know that sounds really, really weird. But I just don't like anything on me that's like, I don't know, like technology. Again, I know it's an absolutely crazy like tinfoil hat over here. But it was on, so it's like literally it's plaster. It's waterproof. You put it on your arm. You scan it on, I think like, I think it tells you, I think it was like that day nine when you're kind of due to ovulate and every single day, every morning and every evening you scan it on your phone and it will, it, it does the same thing. It goes by your body temperature and it will know when you've ovulated then and it will tell you in the app. So it's kind of cool, again, from a fertility perspective, if you're trying to get pregnant, again, if you're trying to prevent a pregnancy, the only thing I say about that, like as it was, it was so easy. I put it on, um... Also, don't put it on after you've tanned. <laughs> I was going to night out, full tan, put on this plaster. And I had a plaster shaped tan. Honestly, for like three weeks, it would not come off. So there's like a little like side note, don't tan and put on your, your plaster ovulation um, test at the same time. But um, uh, it is a little bit expensive. I think it's about, now obviously I was sent it myself to try it, but I think it's about 27 euro per per plaster which is a lot like that's maybe what like 30 euro a month so you know but again if you're sick of the, the LH strips you can put that plaster on and keep it on for two weeks if you want to and just scan it morning and night I think you can do that anyway you know I, I presume it's not going to blow up or do something crazy um but that's another option and um the other way to know that you've definitely ovulated is check your progesterone so progesterone only gets made if you ovulate. Progesterone is that second half of your cycle. Progesterone is a calming hormone. It's your mood. It makes your periods lighter. It's good for anxiety. It is our queen of our hormones. We want loads of progesterone. When you've loads of progesterone, you do not have PMS. Like you just don't. So that's what I've talked about so much in the first few episodes of season one. Um, but progesterone peaks one week after you ovulate. And another really big kind of misconception you'll often hear even GPs say, actually two things while we're on the topic. Number one, progesterone only birth control. The mini pill, the doctor say, oh, I'll put you on progesterone only. It's not progesterone. It's a hormone called progestin. And progestin is not progesterone. The only similarity is progestin also makes your periods lighter. So that's kind of frustrating Um you know, crossover sometimes. So I have clients who are like, Ash, you mentioned how good progesterone is. My doctor said there's a progesterone birth control. And I'm like, no, they're literally complete opposites. Like they do not do the same thing except for lighting your periods or progesterone only birth control actually stops your period. And then that's the one where you don't have to get any bleed on it. You just you can take it back to back. Sorry, again, be off on a tangent. Um, but so number one, about just had to mention that about progesterone. And number two, I mentioned there it peaks one week after you ovulate. Let's go back to our cycle for a sec. Let's go back to 40 cycle 
Barbara, who, you know, ovulates on day 26. So 26 and 7 um, will be her week after she ovulated, right? So again, if she gets progesterone checked on day 21, which is four, seven days after, say, day 14, which is like the typical ovulation day, I don't even ovulate on day 14. I don't know if many of you do. Actually, really interesting. I'll actually put a poll when this episode goes up and we can all see when everyone ovulates. But for her, and I've seen this so many times with clients, they're checking progesterone on the wrong day. You haven't ovulated. There's no progesterone there to be checked. So it's really, really important. Again, guys, you have this ammo. And with all your respect to doctors, like I've mentioned it again so many times, I'm not against medicine. My mum was a nurse. Like I would be the first person to tell my client to go and get bloods. I tell a lot of my endo clients, you know, go on the marina coil. Like I'm so open to medicine and so respectful of doctors and how well they're trained. But when someone goes in and they're told, yeah, a day 21 progesterone check, you need to be like, no, to be honest, actually, that's not the right day for me because I know my cycle. It comes on day 35 every month. So I need to get to come in on day 27 or whatever it is. Um, because it won't be accurate. The other thing then as well about the progesterone check, which is kind of an easy thing, you can read it yourself, always ask for a copy of your bloods. And generally we would say if your levels are above 30, you've ovulated. And ideally we want to be above 40. 40 is kind of like you're making enough progesterone. So that's just like a good little marker, especially if you're trying to get pregnant and you've had a miscarriage or it's not happening for you. Like I would always make sure to get your progesterone check just for like an extra little piece of the puzzle. Last thing I would say is the flow apps, your Eve, my iPeriod app, as much as they're so handy for tracking your period, do not use them as like fertility method or tracking your cycle. Like don't use that as gospel because it's only guessing. Again, going back to me personally, if I went by my app back in August, I would be pregnant probably by now. I would literally have a baby on the way. So I knew myself. I kind of looked at the app and I'm like, mm, no, I know. Like, I was actually surprised. I was like, oh my God, stay 21. I was like, I haven't seen any fertile mucus this month. And it made me check the app because I was like, wait a minute, my period was ages ago. Like, what the hell's going on? So just go with your own gut. And I wouldn't use the apps as gospel, whereas natural cycles is a little bit different because it's actually based on your body temperature. That's not just a guess. It's not taken into consideration that, you know, you were really stressed last month or you were on a three-week holiday, you were flying, you you had, you know, I don't know, low, low iron, like there's loads of factors that affect ovulation. So it's just important to be aware of that as well. Okay, so I hope you guys found this super helpful. I think it's such an important episode. Share it with your friends, put it in your gals WhatsApp group. Hopefully it's only about half an hour, although I feel like I went up a lot of tangents there. So in the next part of this episode, we have Amy, who is the co-founder and the owner of Ethos, which is a CBD company. They have gorgeous supplements. I think I haven't posted them in a while, which I showed again. And I'm delighted. Obviously, there are sponsors this month and you'll probably see them pop up a good bit now on my Instagram and social media. Um, but I wanted to get her into the studio and just chat chat about CBD because even me as a herbalist it's just not something even I learned much about and I learned literally 300 herbs and plants like I know the Latin name I know all the phytochemicals and CBD just didn't really come into it so it's a whole other area so I was fascinated to get her on board and I'm so delighted to have them as sponsors this this month um this season on the podcast so guys I hope you enjoyed this episode and I'll back back to you all next week every Wednesday regular episodes and yeah I'll chat to you then so, Amy, thank you so much for coming in today. Amy is the, would you say co-founder? Yes, co-founder. Co-founder <laughs> of Ethos CBD, who I am so grateful to be um, sponsoring um, this podcast. 
the season or the first few episodes anyway of the season. Um, I want to get Amy on today because I, as, you, as most of you know, have just finished Herbal Madison. And in the two years of work that I have done, we never learned about CBD. And it's such an amazing herb. Like, you know, I'm obviously so into herbal medicine, so I've done my own research on it. But I wanted to get Amy in who, um, yeah, just to fill you all in, because I feel like, as you know, I'm always trying to give you good content, give you all the little tips. And I think this would be an amazing brand to help you guys. So, Amy, first of all, fill us in on the brand and how you got started and what exactly is CBD? Yeah, sure. Um, well, firstly, thank you so much for having me on. It's such an honour. Um, when we launched Ethos uh, nearly two years ago, um, I think, Ashley, you were probably the first person I ever like DM'd on Instagram. And I was like, hey, we're launching this CBD brand. I'd love to send some products to you. And I had the fear of God at the time. Will she reply? Uh. Um, <laughs> but I remember we had a chat at the time and you were so sound and just so lovely to to chat to. And you were so interested Um and I have to thank you because you were definitely like a big part of uh, getting ethos out there in the oh, in the you. early days. So we're so grateful to you for we that. We did a full circle. We did. Yeah. And now we're here. It's yeah. mad. It's actually crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, ethos, ethos launched uh, November 2020. Um, so I started the business with my partner, Fergus Kerrigan. Um, he's one of my other co-founders. Um, and we basically launched the brand with quite a bit of a backstory. So uh, about two years or three years prior to that moment, um, Fergus actually went through a period of poor health. Um, he was working in um, a consultancy role, um, high pressure, kind of high stress job. But uh, at the time was experiencing like chronic fatigue, chronic pain. Um, but more so the fatigue side. So he was like going, getting up and going to work every day, but just felt like he had this cloud over his head all the time. Mm-hmm. And what um, age was he then? Uh, oh, good question. I'm going <laughs> to say like 26, 27. So like you should be in your prime. prime. Like people go out yeah. on nights out and go to work the next day and you're like, and they're grand. Like, so. And that was very much yeah. like part of our, our lifestyle at the yeah. time. And it really just kind of switched off and things had really changed. Um, so he went to his doctor at the time and they put it down to potentially a sinus infection. So he was on a round of antibiotics. That didn't help. He went back. They put him on another round of antibiotics. He was on three rounds of antibiotics and was just no. getting incrementally worse. His poor gut. <laughs> yeah. And it it really affected both of our, our, our lives, if you like, at the time, because our social life had really taken a turn. Fergus wasn't playing football anymore. He was moping around the house. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, his mum had actually suggested go and see uh, Basma, one of their neighbours in Galway, a functional medicine doctor, and have a chat with her. So Fergus went and met with Basma and she did like a whole analysis of his diet, his health, his lifestyle, and in turn put him on a new, a new plan. So stripped back all sugar, alcohol, all the good stuff, um, and really focused in on, you know, anti-inflammatory foods and everything you would expect to be told that you need to be eating. And he gave this a really, really good go and his health had dramatically changed and transformed. And he was back to, to feeling like himself again within a matter of weeks. Um, simultaneously, Basma had suggested a number of supplements that he would take alongside this new diet and lifestyle. Um, of which CBD was one for its anti-inflammatory properties. But back then, CBD wasn't around in Ireland. It didn't really exist. So 
when Fergus went researching to try and find a product to take, he had to buy it from the US and obviously it was extremely expensive. Simultaneously, family members were dropping CBD into conversation here, there and everywhere, you know, with different contexts and different ailments. And it just kind of sparked a bit of curiosity for us naturally. And um, Fergus was Googling CBD in Ireland and up popped this guy, Ed Hambridge, a farmer who's farming hemp down in Wicklow. And Fergus was like, why don't we, you know, make our own product? Why don't we look into this a little bit more, see what's out there? Really, we knew nothing about it at all at the time. Um, So Fergus went and met Ed uh, on the farm, spent three hours with him, just soaked up a huge amount of knowledge, more so obviously about production and growing the plant. Um, And from there for like, I'm going to say two years, we were just kind of tipping away at it. Um, And then we, it was actually like pre-pandemic, a couple of months before the pandemic, we both decided that this was something we wanted to give a go. More so Fergus uh, than I, to be honest, because I just uh, got a new job and I was really happy. Um, But obviously pandemic set in, I started to get really stressed, not enjoying my work, working from home. Fergus needed someone with a bit of a marketing background. So I said, I'll come on board, we'll do it together and we'll just give it a go. So um, yeah, Ethos launched then and we're nearly two years in now, which Amazing. is crazy. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I love that the story of Fergus obviously having those health issues. Like I, yeah. when I see people who work in the same industry and like you guys are, you're so firmly in the health and lifestyle and wellness industry. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure in the last two years, you've been kind of dragged into even more and yeah. seen how powerful it is. But I do think people who really are so passionate about it are the people who are doing it because they want to help people. Totally. And I'm sure he like, you know, as much as he was like, well, it's a great market for this, yeah. you know, but I'm sure for him, like he's he's seen the research and there's so little research, there's so little chat around. And I think the biggest reason is that like even my mom, my mom was a herbalist. And my mom was like, is that going to make you high though? You know, yeah. this is the misconception. So do you mind explaining kind of the difference between obviously the CBD and the hemp and the THC, yeah. obviously, which is the active ingredient in in hemp that, that does make us high. So yeah. that's obviously not in CBD. You're not going to be taking that in the morning, going to work, feeling a little bit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> head in the clouds. Um, so we have like the cannabis family, if you like. Mm-hmm. And within that, we have um, multiple different plants. But the two main plants that everyone has heard of is marijuana and hemp. Mm-hmm. So marijuana is THC dominant. So that's the main chemical makeup of the plant. THC is the psychoactive element that gets you high. Um, In the hemp plant, um, it's CBD dominant. So uh, CBD is this therapeutic compound that we're talking about today. Um, There's over a hundred different cannabinoids, they're called. So CBD, THC and lots of others. And they all have different benefits, different therapeutic properties. So we're really focused on the hemp plant. Um, so the, the the legal plant in Ireland. Um, so we, as I said, grow that ourselves in Wicklow. Um, so within our bodies, we have a system mm. called the endocannabinoid system. Yeah. Um, or Which the, is so not talked about either. So not talked yeah. about. But that's because it was only recently discovered, um, I think, in like the 70s. Um, It was actually when scientists were looking at how THC, the psychoactive compound, interacts with the body that they discovered this system. Um, 
and discovered kind of how CBD works with that system. So the endocannabinoid system is made up of receptors that exist all over our body, uh, in our cells, predominant in areas like our brain, our gut, um, particularly like in uh, female organs and even in the skin. Um, and the, the role of the endocannabinoid system is to work with our other bodily systems to maintain homeostasis mm-hmm. or balance. Um, so as you would rightly know, in this modern age, we are all so, so, so stressed, whether we even realise it or not, like we can't sit still without grabbing our phone. I'm sitting here and I'm like, I haven't even put my phone on silent. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but when we are stressed, either physically or mentally, um, our our natural cannabinoid levels within our body, they deplete, similar to like other vitamins and minerals within our body. Um, so we supplement with a plant-based cannabinoid like CBD to bring that back to balance. And it's when we're in this state of balance that we see better sleep, less stress. So what I always say to people is CBD isn't curing your sleep. It's helping bring your body back to balance. Mm-hmm. And when you're in balance, things just work better. They flow better. Um, so, yeah, that's it in short in a nutshell yeah we can probably do a whole podcast on it and I I love that's exactly how I would use herbal medicine as well so it's there to support your body that like let's say like people know how they should eat and they know you know maybe their food choices aren't amazing to help support stress or support their energy levels but I'm like when you're so knackered come in from work and it's raining and you're tired and like it's just so much easier to get takeaway or whatever it is you've had a really busy day didn't sleep properly last night I kind of explain like for me obviously with herbal medicine it's like just giving you that little boost that mm-hmm. like you can't get there on your own. Take the herbs for a couple of days. You're going to feel so much better by Friday and be like, do you know what? I'm going to do the shop now. I'm going to go and I'm going to meal prep my meals when I come home next week. There's something sitting in the fridge and it's like they're there to support us in our activities. They can't do right. it for us, but it's just kind of supporting our system. Exactly. Yeah. It's like a, a, a kind of like a, a nice element to add into your, your wellness routine. If you like what's really interesting about CBD or cannabinoids, if you like as well, they're not foreign to our body. They are part of who we are as human beings. So we obviously have this system already. It's fueled by these cannabinoids that we naturally have in our bodies. Um, but the, f- the first experience, human experience of cannabinoids is actually through mother's breast milk. So it's passed on from mother to child when babies are born. Um, there's lots of other lots of other routes uh, for cannabinoids. So even take cacao for example. Mm. Um, anandamide comes from from cacao, and that's the the bliss molecule. Um, they call it. So it's around us. It's part of who we are. We're not telling you to supplement with something that's completely foreign and alien and scary. It's absolutely not. Yeah, it's part of who we are yeah. as human beings. You know, and that's I think herbal medicine is so lost, and and yeah. it is part of herbal medicine as well. I know, it, like it's kind of like been shunned. It's like the one that that hasn't been been taught or hasn't mm-hmm. been learned as 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 frequently. But they're they're all there for a reason. Yeah. Like, and I think before we jumped in on the podcast, I mean, Amy, you were talking about how, like, I was saying how when I I learned that like herbs grow where we need them. Mm-hmm. So like in Ireland, we have a herb called plantago, which is really good for like mucus and lungs and chest. And like Irish people are just snotty. Like they're all snotty. They have loads <laughs> of chest infections. And when I'm out, even like open hoth going for the cliff walk, there's plantago growing everywhere. Or things like dandelions are everywhere. Dandelions so important for things like liver support yeah. and for. Um, kind of detoxification I use that word lightly obviously but it's more for like 
detoxing and supporting the liver and supporting the kidneys and um, you were saying that hemp can just grow everywhere like it's yeah it's, and I just find that so interesting that like every single person no matter where you are no matter what your climate is could probably benefit from it totally yeah, yeah. it's a it's a really versatile plant it can grow in pretty much any condition mm-hmm. uh, people always think like oh that must just grow in America and like they're baffled by the fact that there's actually a hemp farm in Wicklow and in fact there's loads of hemp farms all over Ireland um, but it's a really versatile plant. It grows super quick. So we plant the seeds in May um, and we have like 10 foot tall hemp plants by August, September. Um, and it's ready to harvest then. Um, doesn't take much water or uh, resources uh, to actually grow it. It's, so it's obviously a really good option for farmers as well. Yeah. Um, in terms of like economic benefits. So yeah, great plant. Amazing. <laughs> So um, you have two different products. You have one that's for sleep and mm-hmm. one that's kind of more a general balance. What I love about Ethos, and this is what kind of even drew me to them the first time that they messaged me, is that they have herbs in it. So like mm-hmm. their one called Balance is has a herb called ashwagandha in it, which is one of my like holy grail herbs. Absolutely love it. Ashwagandha is an adaptogenic herb. So the best way to describe it is it gives you energy. We need to have energy and it helps you relax. We need to have relax. I mean, we need to relax. It's also really good for male libido. You're going to see your sales go up immediately. I didn't know that. Yeah, ashwagandha. Yeah, yeah it's one oh, of the male wow. libido herbs. Yes, okay. I mean, that could be a little marketing. Um, yes. Like ploy now for the next couple of months. Yeah. Or all the girls in the call will be like, or on this podcast will be like, get this ethos. So if you see that one going off now, you know why. Yeah. But yeah, ashwagandha would be used for like male fertility and male libido. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, there's herbs in this one as well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, there's chamomile, chamomile extract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that'd be actually quite good for gut health. Like I would give mm. chamomile a lot of time for things like bloating. Yeah. Like the, so just for obviously people that can't see me right now, there's another one called rest and it has chamomile and it has spearmint. So that would be Fab, obviously, for sleep, but I think for me, I would use that also for digestive issues because well. if you're yeah. spearmint and if you're camel, which are very good for mm-hmm. gut support. So yeah. they're fab products. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. When we were, I suppose, designing the brand and the products, we really wanted to, first of all, aesthetically um, appease to the modern person because when we went and did our research, and did look at products that were out there. They were very like hempy, if you like, mm. and dark green. And I think it kind of deterred people from from the products. So we kind of felt a responsibility to really um, make it more open and approachable and friendly uh, to customers. And then, of course, adding in the other botanical extracts, adaptogenic herbs, kind of enhanced the the therapeutic benefit of the CBD and helped us kind of craft these individual ranges and Consumers can now connect with a specific range depending on their well-being needs. So, you know, with rest, obviously, straight away you think sleep and you have the lovely lavender kind of color there, balance for stress and anxiety, and then active is for um, more pain and inflammation. So, yeah, that was very intentional. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And last question then. So who would benefit taking it? Yeah. So um, I suppose, as I mentioned, anyone struggling with their sleep, um, we would definitely recommend the the rest CBD oil. And um, we have two strengths in all our oil. So if you've never tried CBD before, go for the lower strength and just start slow and low. Um, and then you can always upgrade if you like to the higher strength. Um, balance is for those with, you know, stress and anxiety um, even emotional and hormonal balance. We have a lot of uh, perimenopause or menopause customers that would go for the balance oil. Um, probably now after this soon to be more male-focused yeah. product. <laughs> um, and then our active CBD oil, that's a blend of CBD with vitamin D3. So it's very much targeting 
chronic pain, inflammation. Um, so we would have a lot of customers who were like on steroids and things like that and they've been on them for years and they kind of want to take a little bit of a break and try something new, a bit softer. So the, the active CBD oil is great for that. The teas then are, if you like, a nice introductory product. Um, if you don't have like chronic sleep issues or chronic stress, but maybe you're like me and you love to have a cup of tea in the evening to help you wind down before you go to bed, they're a really nice option for that. Um, so again, they sit under the ranges of rest, balance and active, depending on on what your need is. And then finally, we have our Repair CBD Balm. So that's a blend of CBD with hemp seed oil and therapeutic grade essential oils to um, kind of reduce localized inflammation. So we'd have a lot of customers there with like arthritis, mm-hmm. chronic pain, um, or even those looking for a really nice method to kind of reduce inflammation after, say, a long run or something like that. Um, so in there you have like clary sage, lavender, eucalyptus, black pepper, arnica. So um, really helps to reduce swelling in the area and promote circulation in the area Yeah, as well. it sounds fab. I'm yeah. obsessed. Yeah. <laughs> I love, I just love reading the ingredients list. Yeah, yeah. Um, amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah. So before you go though, this yeah. is spilling the tea. Yes. So... I'm going to ask you one of two questions and yes. you can choose which one you'd like to disclose okay. to all of our listeners. Okay. <laughs> okay, so you either need to tell me about your most embarrassing period. Okay. Or your first period. Whichever okay. one you think our listeners will prefer. Okay, I don't actually have a most embarrassing period story. Definitely one that's not appropriate for the podcast. <laughs> so we'll go for we'll go for my first period. Um, okay, so I was probably, I think I had just turned 13. Um, but like when I was 13, I was like an eight year old, like I was really small. Um, I just, I wasn't ready, you know? Um, <laughs> like, I mean, in terms of like your, like it's physically, I was tiny, but yeah. I also felt like such a child at okay. that time, like first year school, trying to adapt, like, what the hell is this? Yeah. Just crazy, crazy time when I think back. Um, I would not ever want to go back to being a teenager. Definitely not. Um, But I remember I was at home and my auntie was over for dinner and she had just left and I went upstairs to the bathroom. There it was. But like to say it was literally a freckle. Like I didn't really (laughs) know that was what it was, but I thought it was. So I went down to my mum and she was in the kitchen cleaning up and I was like, mum, I think I got my period. And she just had this look on her face before I even finished the sentence, like partly like devastated that her little girl was like growing yeah. up, but then also trying to put a smile on her face just to make me feel better. Um, so yeah, she was like, go upstairs and uh, I'll be up to you in a minute. Don't worry about it. It's all fine. So I was upstairs waiting for my mum and in she came with a pad, her own pad that she had had. And I was like, pop this on your knickers. So I was like, okay, Grant, it was like, it felt like I was wearing a nappy. I'm not joking. (laughs) I was like, what is this? Is this the rest of my life? Like, how am I going to play football? How am I going to go to school every day? Like, this is just insane. And she's going to kill me for saying that now. (laughs) She's going to be like, don't be telling people I was wearing nappies. I wasn't wearing nappies. It just felt like that for me at the time, I guess, because I was so small. Yeah. But um, yeah, that was it. Yeah, it. that's it. Thank yeah. you for disclosing that. Mortifying my mother. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then lastly, where can people find you then? 
Yeah, so Ethos products are available in most health food stores across Ireland, um, pharmacies as well, uh, the teas and artisan food stores and then other lifestyle stores. And of course, on our website, um, if you search us even on Instagram, ethos.cbd, you'll find us there. We have a full list of stockists as well. Um, and yeah. we have a little discount code, don't we? We do. We have a discount code. So we're going to pop a link into the show notes. Yeah. And if you subscribe via that link, you will get an exclusive discount code. And we're also going to share some really nice uh, wellness content through that. So um, some bedtime yoga needer tracks to help you relax and unwind before bed. Amazing. Amy, thank yeah. you so much thank again you. for coming on. Thank you so much for having and me. And guys, I will chat to you all in the next episode.